Hi, right, so this is podcast number two and this is Lee and... Kate. Day two and we've already run out of things to talk about. <laughs> we've been sitting here before, we pressed record saying, uh, so what should we talk about today then? <laughs> Doesn't bode well, does it? <laughs> so, um, both got our cups of teas and I suppose the... the couple of things that I was thinking that we could go through today was the kind of stuff that <clears throat> excuse me that we kind of get through on an average day so and some of the challenges and what our thinking is about it and the other thing was it from our conversation yesterday it dawned on me that there might be people out there that are thinking of starting a business or just starting out or have this idea and understanding whether their idea is any good or if anyone's going to pick it up because that's the kind of journey we're on with Say It right now. And also we were on with Smiley Booth back in 2008 in terms of working out how on earth do we even plough our time and money into an idea that's completely new. Would you agree? Okay, yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm the one that's kind of leading this one at the moment. Um, so first of all, especially in this time like during COVID, I would would you say this is probably the most unglamorous way to work that yeah. we've ever had? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have to um, put put the kids in a in a playroom that we've made for them. So we've cleared out a spare room and thrown everything in there and said, you can make as much noise as you like in there, but you can't bother us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and kind of like here's a biscuit, yeah. and if you come up, you get another, if you come up, you won't get another one, and like, all of that dramatic stuff. And the other thing is, it's um, I'd say there's less boundaries as well when you work from home rather than from an office when you run a business, right? Because it's like we were awake at, what, six this morning? And one of the first things that we were doing was we had emails from suppliers from abroad um, from the moment we opened our eyes that we were in discussions about. And Well, I find it in particular really hard to switch off. Like at the end of the day, um, I'll kind of get through the day make tea for the kids and, and us and then get back on the laptop put them to bed and then get back on the laptop and I li almost feel like it's physically attached to me I find it really difficult to uh, come like nine ten o'clock when I'm still banging out emails to just close it and walk away because there's always a hundred things to do and they all feel urgent even though they're probably not well it's also because I think that's part of the problem with being a startup as well yeah. like smiley booth is an obvious like you can get some obvious wins with that business because it's up and running. It's it's like, okay, I've made a sale today. Yeah. Or, yeah, we've got that event booked today. Or, we deliver, or we've uh, trained up this new franchisee or whatever it might be. It's like there's very clear, obvious wins. But with a startup Well, journey, everything's in place, isn't it, already? From yeah. Not just obvious wins, but all the minutiae of your accounting processes and your supply chain and everything else it's all there already yeah. whereas when you're doing a startup all of those things not only are they not in place but they all require research and um, you know ev every job that you think is just a tiny thing ends up being a lot bigger because oh that leads to that and that leads to that and that leads to that and, and before you know a day's gone by and all you've done is I don't know source Somebody for your envelopes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's not a win for the business, right? No. Cause it's, because it's, especially at the starting phase, when you're trying to work things out, you are, you're spending a lot of time and a lot of money 
in on just the base, like just on the foundations of mm. the business, not the not necessarily the sales. And I know they talk about um, there's a term called um, MVP, which is minimum viable product, which is uh, is basically you create some kind of idea of what a service or a product is hold it together with sticky back plastic and chuck it out there and see if anyone wants to buy it and then that is uh, there's another idea that people often uh, like kind of knock around and that's the uh, idea of failing fast so getting something out there as quickly as possible and identify whether it's going to fail as quickly as possible kind of being in the middle of the road of that is a real problem and uh and I think, to be honest, in most people's cases, especially when they start out, because your reference points are family, friends, and the like, you get a lot of positives thrown back at you. And um, it's very difficult to fail fast in that environment, right? Because you haven't got a critical statement in return saying, that's rubbish. Well, I think it also depends on your personal um, or business circumstances. Like, for some people, this year... Um, if they have a full-time job that, that pays quite well and they're on furlough, you know, that's that's the ideal time to start a business because you've reliably got an income coming in each month, or at least for the moment, if, you're, if your employer is fairly strong, um, and you can work on the side building something, whether you plan to go back to your job or not, you've, you've kind of got that cushion. Whereas for other people who've kind of had the, the rug pulled from them a little bit, it's it's quite a scary time to start a business, but might be essential they might have no choice but to go down that road so it i think it depends on your personal circumstances as to how fast you feel you've got to move yeah i guess and i, I think you're um i think you're right as well i think there's a lot of people that have probably been thrown into a situation where there's no alternative but to try and sell some widget of some mm. form and um because currently there's a lot of applicants going for not a lot of jobs yeah. around at the moment. And um, so if you can create something somehow, then then happy days. And so I suppose um, I suppose on on this podcast, my kind of idea was to like open the doors a little bit into what it's like to be a small business owner in 2020 in terms of it's not all kind of suits and shirts and working from this like these offices or your your home office and everything's kind of really slick and everything else because that wasn't our way anyway <laughs> yeah that's true yeah even in the height it wasn't, yeah. yeah um but also to help people kind of identify um like what their service or product whether it is going to have any kind of traction so one phrase that's been thrown at us over the years, and it's definitely relevant with Say It and was most definitely relevant with Smiley Booth at the beginning, was the concept of market fit. And if if you currently own a business or you're thinking about going into business, um, you'll soon get this raised with you from mentors or some of the literature, is does, does your product or service have a market fit? And it feels like a bit of a consultancy type term, doesn't it? It feels mm -hmm. like a doesn't feel like a yeah organic term yeah it's um so but it's it's difficult to establish that at the moment i mean uh, market fit for anyone out listening that is, isn't sure what that is it's where your product or service fits within the marketplace and and um, another word that you will hear banded around a lot is niche 
um, and that you may think you've got a product or service that serves everybody everywhere. And to an extent, that can be true. You, you could have a very wide-reaching product. I don't know if it's, say you wanted to sell shampoo or everybody has hair or most people have hair that they that they need to wash so that you you would say oh well my market's everybody but it may be that you have a luxurious brand or a eco-friendly brand um so it depends what you're aiming for with your market but one thing i'd say that's particularly challenging at this time is how fast the market is changing um literally every couple of weeks is different at the moment um in the world of business and both consumers, consumerism and business to business. Well, so because it, of the lockdowns and things like that. Yeah, you know? just because of, because of one minute we're all doom and gloom, the next it's like, hey, we've got a vaccine, everything's going to be fine. You know, it's, it's very difficult to kind of find where you, where you fit when the, the narrative is changing so dramatically all the time. So it's it's I'd say that's a big challenge for people this year is to carve out where they fit. Yeah, I agree. I think, the, um, I think you're right about the... It is it's definitely hard and it's definitely difficult to work out niches and all this kind of stuff and yeah the shampoo analogy is quite a good one it's 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 like we had a we had an example years and years and years ago um where we were both invited up i can't remember how it came about but we got a random invite um to go to london to watch or sorry not to watch to go to an exhibition for the 3D printing industry, and I can't, how many years ago do you reckon that was? Um, it's got to be like 2013, 12? Yeah, I was going to say 12, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think it was, because I think it was just, just literally just after you'd stopped your job. Okay. I think, so I think it was two. Yeah, it was like one of the, yeah, I can do what I like with my time moments, yeah. and instead of having to worry about going to the office. Um, so yeah, so we went to that show and to be honest, we were thinking, okay, well maybe there's some applications that we can connect with photo booths in some way, shape or form. Like we had this idea that you could do like a 3D portraits of people. We would include... Well, you could. That was one of the things there, wasn't it? But Yeah, that's true. But, there was that paper one. Do you remember the one that was all made out of piles of paper? Yeah. It was like sheets of paper, but it was like laser cut or something, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, It's very clever, but... How many people really want a little statue of themselves on the mantelpiece? Exactly, and that's and that's exactly <laughs> that's my it. point, right? So we were we were walking around, and these guys all had their stands, and they all had this amazing tech, and they were there were these three D things that they'd made out of anything from paper to plastic to metal to all these things, wood. and we were like, wow, wood, yeah, that was yeah, it was wood, wasn't it? So it's um, but we were like, it's like this magic service that's all things to all things and and we don't know what to do with it yeah it needed it needed somebody to go oh i know how that works and how that fits and i think and i think that can, that's like the that's the problem with 3d printing ever since it came out is that it's, well, like, it's yeah, only it now be... isn't it that it's finally finding its feet i think in like the medical industry and in... yeah i guess Various different because it's found its market fit, but it took such a long time, long time for it yeah. to do that. Eight years. Um, well, and the cost of the equipment. So mm-hmm. we were weighing up. Oh well, maybe we could build this into our service in some way, shape, or form. And I think the the initial investment for us to get that on board because the scanners were quite expensive back then. And I think a scanner was like four grand or something. Mm-hmm. I can't. I might be getting these numbers wrong. So if anybody listens to this and goes, "Oh, it was never that price or whatever," but I remember it being a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I think the total investment was 
was knocking on the door of 10 grand to get us started with something that was in today's world is probably very basic so well now you can pretty much get them in your home well you can yeah you you? can yeah so yeah so and so so to go i know it seems like a bit of a tangent but that's that's a great example in in my mind about market fit in terms of 3d printing hadn't identified where it fit in the market it didn't find an ideal customer and that's where we were with smiley booth we had this we saw it at weddings so our natural assumption was right okay let's get it out there at weddings but because nobody in the uk at the time was doing photo booths it wasn't like there was a ready-made market for that to do so we had to persuade that market to buy or hire rather a photo booth for their wedding and introduce this and to try and create a market fit for them well that's again the challenge at the moment because we we got over that by physically showing people didn't we and then that's when we we got oh, our yeah, first trade tra- traction was trade shows or like charity events where we would do a booth for free just yeah. so that people could see it and understand it because trying to explain something that people have never seen before is impossible and that's again the challenge right now is it's you can't go to trade shows you can't physically go and show people something so if you have got something new um or you're doing something a new way my advice would be try and show them somehow whether that's getting on a Zoom call or putting a product in the post to somebody, um, try and get across that that hurdle of people understanding what you're about by them physically seeing it somehow. Well, definitely. And I also think, though, you can... So one of the things that... Because we're having to redo that journey um, with Say It and um, with, our, with our video collation service for Say It. And, I mean, you can tell by the way I'm describing it, it's we're still forming our ideas around the best way to present that. But some of the ways in which we've determined market fit was that we we chose certain industries. Um, so for example, one industry we're looking at at the moment is the recruitment sector. And we, we basically reached out to them and said, right, look, this is what we're kind of thinking of doing for you guys. We think it would work. You tell, me is that a stupid idea is it a good idea or are we close and what would we need to do differently to make it a good idea and we went straight to people in the industry and asked them directly and with the caveat look we've got really thick skin so if you tell us we're idiots and this is a stupid idea great we've kind of effectively created the fail fast in that niche yeah um we haven't got and the reality is industry professionals, wherever you go, won't be afraid to tell you some, when something's rubbish if mm-hmm. they don't think it's a fit. Um, you have to remember that, that you're not your customer. Mm. In Smiley Booth for years at the beginning, um, I didn't understand the importance of props. I've never personally particularly liked them. I, I think when somebody shoves on hundreds of props, it actually spoils the picture in a way. But I'm not the customer and the customers, nine out of ten of them, love the props and can actually get very, very precious about their props. Oh, jeez, yeah. And, you know, that it's that it's in perfect condition and that there's a nice range of props. That was always that always came up very, very high on, on the list of priorities for our customers. Again, not something that was a priority to me, but you have to listen to your customers. And if you if you haven't got a product yet or service, but you're thinking of something then you have to listen to your potential customers. Um, and what I would advise is 
is get as wide as opinions as possible um, because it, it you can't please everybody so you kind of have to go with the majority and and to a certain extent what extent what your gut is telling you um, but you do need that all important feedback because with even with say it recently when we when it first went out last month um, we had like a gallery of of videos if you were yeah, to yeah. have the digital side of the product it was a gallery and we thought that was really nice where you can click on each video but immediate feedback from the first couple of users was they wanted a compilation video so that it wasn't individual videos but it kind of all played as one again not my personal preference but that was the immediate feedback from the very first users so obviously we've now changed it actually you can have both now but <laughs> but we've listened to the customers and and made that change so I think what I'm trying to say is is just research as much as you can before you put your hard-earned time and money going down the wrong roads. You will still go down wrong roads. That's inevitable, but um, but you can you can mitigate for that by by just asking people's opinions. And it's so easy now on social media. You can just put like little polls out. Um, you know, you don't have to be like getting on the phone to people and asking what they think. Well, I think you should. I think well, that's yeah, too, maybe yeah. polls, but I think you should just figure out who. Who would buy your service or product? Like, who are you... Like, and they go on about, oh, create an avatar and do all of those things. But I think you've got... I think most people who have got some kind of idea of what they'd like to build or sell have got some kind of idea of the type of person that would probably buy it. And as such, you should just reach out to them on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, and just say, look, I really respect like your opinion, your experience, or whatever it is. And um, I just want to run something by you and, and you can tell me if it's nonsense or not. And one of the things that 2020 has done is given people time. Uh, a lot of people are sat at home right now wondering what to do next. And they will give you the time to have those conversations. And in fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was saying that um, if they had, it was a recruitment company, in fact, and they were telling me that 2020 has had such a big impact on people's um way of communicating in that if they'd have asked anybody in January, oh, do you want to jump on a Zoom call? Most of people would have told them no. And um, whereas now, not only are people um, doing it, but people are wanting to do that more over any other communication in terms of happy to do some kind of video calls between people. And we're certainly seeing that, right? Well, so. that's, def that's one of the advantages of 2020 and all of this drama is, is that People are more open to using technology in, in general to, to do things like that. I mean, my mum is a music teacher who's a bit of a technophobe. Well, how old is your mum now? <laughs> I'm not going to say on a podcast. She oh. wouldn't want me to. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's 106. <laughs> but she... Um, She's going to hate me for that. <laughs> she she does not, uh, did not want to use any kind of technology, but she is um, giving music lessons over Zoom. And um, that was a little bit reluctant to start with, but she's now doing really well at it. And... We were talking to somebody only yesterday, weren't we, or a couple of days ago, that their, their networking um, business that they're involved in has moved everything online and all they do networking calls via Zoom. And they actually prefer it. They were like, it's much better than having to get up at like, oh, I said it again. You said having to. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Having to get up at like 5 a.m. and go to a networking breakfast or whatever. They can just rock up in their pajamas and put a smart top on yeah. <laughs> and do a call from home. So there's, it's definitely 
made it easier, especially for introverts as well, like me, to, to kind of hide behind your computer screen a bit and uh, make contact with people like that way. Well, and it's super easy in terms of, like, you don't have any of the travel stuff. Mm. Like, you and I have always been awful at networking generally. That's something we've always kind of avoided over the last few years. And um, But the online networking seems to be, like, the easiest thing in the world because you can crack out all your work and say, okay, I'll, I've got to be on this call for 20 minutes, half hour, hour, whatever it is, and then straight back on it again. Yeah. Whereas before, it'd be like, right, I've got to get in the car, I've got to find the venue, got to do this. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but coming back, it's I think the point I'm trying to make is that finding ways to communicate with people that can help you create the product that you're looking to create is really important because you'll have so many biases around what, what the product or service should or shouldn't do. And and it's very easy to fall in love with your own product or service and then um, and then try and force this down people's throats and then, then think, well, everyone's idiots. Why the hell are they not buying my product or service? Oh, the market wasn't right. Or, oh, the whatever. And you come up with all these excuses when really you might have only needed to adjust by a couple of degrees and then all of a sudden you would have sold loads of the stuff. And um, so if you have an idea, if you have a product or service right now, or if you have a product or service that you're actually current sell, currently selling, but you want to sell a little more, the, the thing I would recommend is talk to your existing customers or potential customers and just get their feedback. Like what would make it better? How could you improve this? What would make them want to buy more? And, um, and don't rely on family and friends for everything. Go to strangers because they're way more likely to tell you to bugger off and it's nonsense. Oh, and that also reminds me, if someone does tell you to bugger off and it's nonsense, it hurts and it does make you question life. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I had this experience, right? Do you remember? We say it. Do you remember? Yeah, about five, what, four or five weeks ago. Was it that? Was it it was a, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Oh. What, with the investor? Yeah, so basically... The investor-introducer type person. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely not mentioning any names. But <laughs> um, but basically, I had... Uh, I, it was before lockdown. and um, Second I, lockdown. Before the second lockdown, <laughs> sorry, yeah. And, uh, and I thought, right, do you know what? I'm going to jump on my bike and go out for a, an hour's bike ride just to... Like, I've been set the laptop for way too long today so I jumped but prior to doing that about a couple of hours or earlier in the day I'd reached out to a bunch of investor type people and just said look I'm thinking about doing x like I think it was to like the app development of the say it, mm-hmm. platform and um and so I just reached out to a bunch of like an investor type group and just said look if, I'd be really interested if anybody could point me in the right, right direction around app development and this individual messaged me uh, a couple of times and said, like, would, um, I can help you out, I can chat to you. Now, I would already knew that this individual was a little bit of a prickly character um, from their uh, interactions with other individuals I'd seen in the group. So, so I, I kind of wimped out of picking up the phone or, re- or responding, thinking, do you know what, it's probably going to be a bit of a negative experience. So... Uh, um, I'll see if I can find somebody else. And then halfway through my bike ride, um, and we live out in the countryside, so I was like probably out in the countryside at the time. And um, the phone goes, 
And I make the mistake of answering it. And this, this guy, he's rung me and he just tore strips off me for 30 minutes. Told me my idea was rubbish. Said it was uh, the most ridiculous concept, waste of time. If I if we've put any money in it now, we're idiots. Um, but they tried to pitch you his web design service yeah. afterwards. But yeah, if, and then if, if you do want to do it, I'll redo your website for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> at a certain hourly rate. So he basically spent thirty minutes just tearing strips off me, and it was so aggressive that at one point I was laughing and I said, "You are the most." Uh, what did I say? I said, I'm sorry to laugh, but I've never had such a prickly conversation with anybody. You are um, so direct and so um, not worried about offending. And I said, I, and to be honest, part of me was really appreciated it because he was like, because you get a lot of people go, yeah, it sounds wonderful, but they might not mean it. Mm. So, but yeah, however, that had an impact, right? Yeah, for, for a good week or so, we were like, have we... Are we barking up the wrong tree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we? Well, it sows into that doubt because you always have doubt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But you just have to take take the rough with the smooth. So you don't ignore the negative at all. Uh, take what you can and, to, and learn from it. But just you need to go with your, the sensible general consensus. You know, if you've got nine people telling you it's a great idea and one telling you it's awful, you know you've probably got a good idea. Oh Jesus, that happened with Smiley Booth, right? When we started Smiley Booth, a good friend of ours, like we were trying to well, we that were, was the opposite. Everyone thought we were nuts. <laughs> well yeah, but there was one in particular that he was he's he's an intelligent guy and um he just kind of hit the nail on the head um very quickly and we were like, oh this could be a problem because he was like we were in the middle of trying to build the photo, first photo booth, which was a disaster in itself because I can't build, I can't, I can barely put a shelf up. Um, and he just turned around to us one day and went, guys, I just don't get it. He's like, you're going to weddings with a photo booth. Everyone's got a bloody phone. I can take photos on my phone. Why would I need to hire a photo booth? And but because we'd experienced it, that was the difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, that's the same with say it. You know, we we have witnessed um, Zaki's joy when we first when we did that video. Zaki's our son, by the way. In case you missed it. But, um, yeah. yeah, when when we did that little video for him for his birthday in lockdown, um, and we have seen it since. And we've had a lot of people say to us that, oh yeah, we did that in lockdown, but it was such a hassle, you know. And, and but the videos were great, but I wish I'd have had something like this that would have made it easier and one place to put all the videos. So that's that's kind of that validation, and that's what you're looking for with your product is people that have had a similar experience that you can make easier, um, easier, cheaper, faster, any of those, and and you're onto something, um, uh, or a or a product that kind of um, brings it all together. So it, you know it it makes the journey easier for people or. Um, it gives them like a final final product, which again was kind of the thing with the photo booths was um, the guest book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tipping point. People. Yeah, because yeah. yes, people have got a phone in their pocket, but they couldn't print a picture and put it in a guest book and write a note next to it. And that was the, the kind well, of we used to. That was our whenever. That's what we learned when we did the, the wedding shows, right? Yeah. So, Smiley Booth didn't really start to gain traction until we did our first wedding show, and. Um, and people were like, I don't get it. Why would I want a photo booth? And they saw this enormous great black box that we built. And we literally, I remember doing the sales pitch for it. And we were literally, right, so you walk in here. And I'd walk in with the person. 
And I'd say, right, press that button, and they press the button, and then it would take a photo. And I'd say, and they'd be like, yeah, get it, right? And then I'd be like, right, there's the photo coming out. And like, yeah, oh, that's a cool photo. And they were like laughing about the photo. And I said, now come over here, and then I'd walk them over. And I'm like, here's the guest book. So what we do is we take one of these copies of your photos, put it in the guest book, and then your guests will write a message. And then you'd have a full guest book full of images and messages from all your loved ones that you can take home at the end of the night and look, look back on for years to come. And you could see every time I get to the years to come, everyone would go, oh, that's lovely, wouldn't they? they would the penny would drop. Yeah, and they'd be like, I want one. And yet we had the exact, um, so we thought we'd nailed like photo booth hire and tech. Um, like once that started rolling, we were like, oh, we're whiskers. We, can, we know we can, we can grow this into a monster business. And I was like, we've got to keep innovating. We've got to keep creating. And in 2012, I found a way of building augmented. Do you remember when we did the augmented reality? Mm-hmm. So, um, George, you want to explain what augmented reality is for anybody that doesn't know? Um, so it's when you see something through a device, so a, a phone or a, or a tablet, um, and the flat image comes to life in some way. So it might be that you see like neon lights around it or it moves or so so the the flat image is basically behind the scenes using some kind of smart code to to then bring the the image that you're looking normally at normally an animation life. of some sort yeah. isn't it so like you can like see the harry dot- potter is the, is the best example isn't it yeah. when when you um in harry potter when he's reading the newspaper and but the newspapers are real images that's the kind of thing that you're creating with with well, augmented we can come reality to that in a minute actually yeah. because we nearly got involved with that didn't we yeah but, um, so anyway, so the short and tall of it is, I'd worked, I'd managed to find um, I, um, some uh, a service that would enable us to play video um, if against like if it saw a particular image, and basically the short and tall of it is, um, for any of those of you who are familiar with the photo booth experience, one of the things that you can do is not only can you have a guestbook full of photos, but the photo booth can also do videos. And um, what I'd done is I'd created a service where with your guestbook, you could hold your phone over a photo in the guestbook and it will play the associated video that was already, uh, that had already been recorded in the photo booth as well. So you had this kind of cool digital stroke physical service. And it was, it was like, I loved it. Like I fell in love with the whole idea and I was like, this is the thing that's going to put smiley booth on the world stage this is the service and of course it's 2012 right so nobody else is even near this type of service at this stage to or connecting the dots where that's concerned and we had some national trade shows to do didn't we uh, that year so i was like i'm gonna roll this out at the trade shows and i was i was properly in love with this service and i remember <laughs> i remember pitching this and explaining it and being really excited and everyone was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So do you do like the red hats instead of green? And well, let me have a look at your guest books. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, drove me nuts. And nobody bought the service, did But they? again, it was market fit. Yeah. It was, it was too early, just, just like the 3D printers. It was too early for that service because now augmented reality is everywhere. Yeah, and well, and it's some people's phone. Yeah, yeah, people are familiar with it because of phones. Yeah, because and that's just what the Facebook, you know, uh, filters are and all of that kind of stuff. It's the same technology. So now it's used everywhere, and, and we do use it in the booths. Um, 
to a much kind of uh, more advanced extent. But yeah, back then it just it just wasn't ready for it. Well, yeah, well we had uh, to go off on another tangent, but we had uh, uh, an an interesting experience with that because basically. I started trying to push it online, just trying to get some ideas. And we had a random company approach us uh, based in London. And they, and they, they asked, they said, look, we've got, we've, we've got something where we think your service would be perfect. And um, would you be interested in coming for a meeting? And it's with a large client. And um, we, think what, I think we think what you deliver will be perfect for us. And they said, just come in for a casual meeting so we can discuss the ideas. And so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Lee got there and uh, how many lawyers were in the room? Well, there was a couple of lawyers, but there was se- I was met I was met with, uh, surrounded by seven or eight individuals with a couple of lawyers there. and uh, For what and, was supposed to be a casual chat. <laughs> yeah. And they were basically saying that, look, we've got a potential contract with Warner Brothers for the upcoming Harry Potter studios theme, studios theme park thing in London. I think your service will be perfect, hence Kate's analogy with the Harry Potter newspaper just now, because we were going to do something like that. And uh, do you think you can deliver? And before I knew it, we had a contract sent to us that was tied into Warner Brothers and all sorts, and they wanted the whole company, basically, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they just wanted just... to kind of own everything, just just for this one bit. So uh, We ran away screaming. <laughs> yeah, we, unfortunately, we ran away from that one, which was a shame. But um, yeah, there, there, there's some uh, potential fights on the horizon that we just don't want to be anywhere near. <laughs> well, we were only four years into business. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just finding our feet. And the idea of spending money on a lawyer to try and work those deals out when you've got Warner Brothers or the likes on the other side of the table is pretty terrifying. Yeah, definitely. But um I mean, it's different kettle of fish nowadays, but we've mm. got a lot more experience. But yeah, back then that was pretty scary. Um, but yeah, it's. I suppose the the point is that as much as I figured that was a really good idea, that's a good example of market fit, right? Mm. We took that to the wedding market, and they were like, "Meh, how many photos can I have again?" And they just didn't care, did they? No. But then on the corporate experiential kind of, um, the. In more innovative side of events and services, they loved it. Yeah, right? that was. We just got scared and ran away like a pair of wusses. <laughs> so I think we'll wrap up today. Um, but just to kind of recap, because we've gone off on many tangents as we often do, um, that if you're thinking of starting a business at the moment or pivoting, word again, or. Um, or just starting a new service or product um, alongside your business, then do research the market and in terms of not just going out there and getting numbers, but talking to people, because it's easier than ever at the moment to just talk to people. Um, and so that's kind of today's top tip, as it were. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. But I also think you don't necessarily have to be, like, because you might have a business right now where you're just thinking... You might not necessarily just be a startup, right? You might have a business that's just gone very quiet, um, which is more than expected in today's world. So I'd say reaching out to your customers and asking them what would they like. Yeah. You know, if not today, what do they want for tomorrow? Because you intend to be here tomorrow. You yeah, know? how can you help them? And, yeah. and getting in touch with your customers for um, for testimonials and things is a, is a good thing to do at the moment as well because 
again, it's people are quieter than usual. They've got more time to do things for you. Um, and it's a reason to contact them. Um, one thing I, would, I did want to say before we... We, um, we don't have to wrap up right now. Stop. You're okay. You'll just say what you need to say. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I don't want to bore people. Yeah. They'll just, they'll, all they'll do if they're bored is they'll just stop. Okay. All right, then I don't want people to stop. <laughs> um, if you have any questions, um, you know, we, we said yesterday in our very first podcast that, you know, we're not gurus, we're not um, the be-all experts on stuff, but we do, we have been, been around a bit and we, we do have the experience. So if you do have any questions that you want to put to us, please do um, email us. We, we will be setting up an email for this podcast, won't we? And we can just put it in the information below yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um so we'll do that and um and also if you've got any ideas you know any ideas for content that you want us to talk about and cover and we'll be really willing to hear from you on that as well wouldn't we so. yeah actually sorry just on the subject of ideas um because this might be a hurdle for you right you might have an idea whether it be for your existing business or for a potential future business and one of the um things that you often because we've experienced it ourselves is one of the things that prevent people from communicating is they're worried that someone's going to steal their idea, right? It's one of the things, that's probably not going to happen. Like, you're very unlucky if that's going to happen. The reality is businesses aren't built on ideas. Like, the idea is the seed, but businesses really are built on action, yeah? And how, how much action you take and how consistently you take that action. It's got nothing to do with, like, how great your idea is. Because, trust me, there's... There's probably a million other, well, there is, there's bloody loads of smiley booths now. And when oh, we gosh, came yeah. in with smiley booth, yeah. we thought, yay, we're going to be the ones. And then within what felt like seconds, there was people popping up all over the place that were also offering the same type of service across the UK. So, and I'm sure there will be others that want to do say it and to try and, and it, the reality is it's just. It's how you execute it, isn't it? That's, that's what somebody was talking to us about the other day. Execution's key. Yeah. yeah. And. So don't be afraid to talk to people, get their experiences, get what they really want out of whatever service or product, if it's your existing customers or future customers or an idea you have, just let give people the opportunity to tear it down, but also give people the opportunity to get really excited by it. And, and by all means, share it with us because we don't have any time to steal anybody's yeah, ideas right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have no appetite for any other products. It's like smiley booth, more than enough, and say so is big enough for us. And <laughs> juggling children and yeah, whatever else. But um, yeah, so that's that. I suppose that's my kind of final point on it. I think it's don't be scared to put yourself out there, and and yeah, get some ideas. Cool. cool. Until tomorrow. Yes, episode two, day two. <laughs>